Chapter Five of Mount Royal, Volume Three by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, Pain for Thy Girdle and Sorrow Upon Thy Head. Now came a period of gloom and solitude at Mount Royal. Mrs. Tregonell lived secluded in her own rooms, rarely leaving them save to visit her boy in his nursery or to go for long, lonely rambles with Miss Bridgeman the lower part of the house was given over to silence and emptiness it was winter and the roads were not inviting for visitors so after a few calls had been made by neighbours who lived within ten miles or so and those callers had been politely informed by daniel that his mistress was confined to her room by a severe cough and was not well enough to see any one no more carriages drove up the long avenue and the lodge-keeper's place became a sinecure save for opening the gate in the morning and shutting it at dusk mrs tregonell neither rode nor drove and the horses were only taken out of their stables to be exercised by grooms and underlings the servants fell into the way of living their own lives almost as if they had been on board wages in the absence of the family the good old doctor who had attended christabel in all her childish illnesses came twice a week and stayed an hour or so in the morning-room upstairs closeted with his patient and her companion and then looked at little leo in his nursery that young creature growing and thriving exceedingly amidst the gloom and silence of the house and awakening the echoes occasionally with bursts of baby mirth none of the servants knew exactly what was amiss with mrs tregonell jessie guarded and fenced her in with such jealous care hardly letting any other member of the household spend five minutes in her company they only knew that she was very white very sad-looking that it was with the utmost difficulty she was persuaded to take sufficient nourishment to sustain life and that her only recreation consisted in those long walks with jessie walks which she took in all weathers and sometimes at the strangest hours the people about boscastle grew accustomed to the sight of these two solitary women clad in dark cloth ulsters with close-fitting felt hats that defied wind and weather armed with sturdy umbrellas tramping over fields and commons by hilly paths through the winding valley where the stream ran loud and deep after the autumn rains on the cliffs above the wild grey sea always avoiding as much as possible all beaten tracks and the haunts of mankind those who did meet the two reported that there was something strange in the looks and ways of both they did not talk to each other as most ladies talked to beguile the way they marched on in silence the younger fairer face pale as death and inexpressibly sad and with a look as of one who walks in her sleep with wide-open unseeing eyes she looks just like a person who might walk over the cliff if there was no one by to take care of her said mrs penny the butcher's wife who had met them one day on her way home from camelford market but miss bridgeman she do take such good care and she do watch every step of young mrs tregonell's christabel was always spoken of as young mrs tregonell by those people who had known her aunt i'm afraid the poor dear lady has gone a little wrong in her head since mr hamley shot himself and there are some as do think he shot himself for her sake never having got over her marrying our squire on many a winter evening when the sea ran high and wild at the foot of the rocky promontory and overhead a wilder sky seemed like another tempestuous sea inverted those two women paced the grass-grown hill at tintagel above the nameless graves among the ruins of prehistorical splendour they were not always silent as they walked slowly to and fro among the rank grass or stood looking at those wild waves which came rolling in like solid walls of shining black water to burst into ruin with a thunderous roar against the everlasting rocks they talked long and earnestly in this solitude 
and in other solitary spots along that wild and varied coast but none but themselves ever knew what they talked about or what was the delight and relief which they found in the dark grandeur of that winter sky and sea and so the months crept by in a dreary monotony and it was spring once more all the orchards full of bloom those lovely little orchards of alpine bowcastle here nestling in the deep gorge there hanging on the edge of the hill the gardens were golden with daffodils tulips narcissus jonquil that rich variety of yellow blossoms which come in early spring like a floral sunrise and the waves ran gently into the narrow inlet between the tall cliffs but those two lonely women were no longer seen roaming over the hills or sitting down to rest in some sheltered corner of pentargon bay they had gone to switzerland taking the nurse and the baby with them and were not expected to return to mount royal till the autumn mr tregonell's south american wanderings had lasted longer than he had originally contemplated his latest letters brief scrawls written at rough resting-places announced a considerable extension of his travels he and his friend were following in the footsteps of mr whimper on the equatorial andes the backbone of south america dopsy and mopsy were moping in the dusty south belgravian lodging-house nursing their invalid father squabbling with their landlady cutting contriving straining every nerve to make sixpences go as far as shillings and only getting outside glimpses of the world of pleasure and gaiety art and fashion in their weary trampings up and down the dusty pathways of hyde park and kensington gardens they had written three or four times to mrs tregonell letters running over with affection fondly hoping for an invitation to mount royal but the answers had been in jessie bridgman's hand and the last had come from zurich which seemed altogether hopeless they had sent christmas cards and new year's cards and had made every effort compatible with their limited means to maintain the links of friendship i wish we could afford to send her a new year's gift or a toy for that baby said mopsy who was not fond of infants but what could we send her that she would care for when she has everything in the world that is worth having and we could not get a toy which that pampered child would think worth looking at under a sovereign concluded mop with a profound sigh and so the year wore on dry and dreary and dusty for the two girls whose only friends were the chosen few whom their brother made known to them friends who naturally dropped out of their horizon in captain vandeleur's absence what a miserable summer it has been said dopsy yawning and stretching in her tawdry morning-gown one of last year's high art tea-gowns and surveying with despondent eye the barren breakfast-table where two london eggs and the remains of yesterday's loaf flanked by a nearly empty marmalade pot comprised all the temptations of the flesh what a wretched summer hot and sultry and thundery and dusty the cholera raging in chelsea and measles only divided from us by lambeth bridge and we have not been to a single theatre or tasted a single french dinner or been given a single pair of gloves hark cried mopsy it's the postman too eager to await the maid-of-all-work slipshod foot what's the good of exciting oneself murmured dopsy with another stretch of long thin arms above a tousled head of course it's only a bill or a lawyer's letter for pa happily it was neither of these unpleasantnesses which the morning messenger had brought but a large vellum envelope with the address mount royal in old english letters above the small neat seal and the hand which had directed the envelope was christabel tregonell's at last she has condescended to write to me with her own hand said dopsy to whom as miss vandeleur the letter was addressed 
but i dare say it's only a humbugging note i know she didn't really like us we are not her style how should we be exclaimed mopsy whom the languid influences of a sultry august had made ill-humoured and cynical she was not brought up in the gutter mopsy cried her sister with a gasp of surprise and delight it's an invitation what listen dear miss vandeleur we have just received a telegram from buenos ayres mr tregonell and captain vandeleur leave that port for plymouth this afternoon and will come straight from plymouth here i think you would both wish to meet your brother on his arrival and i know mr tregonell is likely to want to keep him here for some time will you therefore come to us early next week so as to be here to welcome the travellers very sincerely yours christabel tregonell this is too delicious exclaimed dopsy but however are we to find the money for the journey and our clothes what a lot we shall have to do to our clothes if we only had credit at a good draper's suppose we were to try our landlady's plan for once in a way suggested mopsy faintly and get a few things from that man near drury lane who takes weekly instalments what the tally man screamed dopsy no i would rather be dressed like a south sea islander it's not only the utter lowness of the thing but the man's goods are never like anybody else's the colours and materials seem invented on purpose for him that might pass for high art well they're ugly enough even for that but it's not the right kind of ugliness after all answered mopsy we have no more chance of paying weekly than we have of paying monthly or quarterly nothing under three years credit would be any use to us something might happen fortune's wheel might turn in three years whenever it does turn it will be the wrong way and we shall be under it said dopsy still given over to gloom it was very delightful to be invited to a fine old country house but it was bitter to know that one must go there but half provided with those things which civilization have made a necessity how happy those south sea islanders must be sighed mopsy pensively meditating upon the difference between wearing nothing and having nothing to wear End of chapter five